Welcome to the Forever Wingman Podcast, the podcast all about life and careers in the United States Air Force. This is episode number two, and I'm Josh, the host of the show. And today I'm interviewing Air Force veteran Patrick Humphreys on the munition systems, two Whiskey Zero X1 AFSC. The show notes for this episode can be found at foreverwingman.com slash 002. There you'll find even more useful information on the show. That's foreverwingman.com slash 002. Go check it out. You know, there's a lot going on with Forever Wingman, so be sure to stay connected by subscribing to the email list. Follow us on Twitter or like us on Facebook. These links are going to be in the show notes as well. Lastly, I really want to make sure that the questions you have are getting answered. So if you have one, reach out to me on social media or email me at josh at foreverwingman.com. In the near future, I'll be answering these questions on the show. Remember, if you have a question about something, then chances are good that others do as well. Here's a little overview on the two Whiskey Zero X1 AFSC before we get into the interview with Patrick. You'll need at least a 60 mechanical or a 57 general score in the ASVAB. And as of a few months ago, there were 6,179 people within the AFSC itself. Demographically, that breaks down to be about 5,498 males and 681 females. So that's about 89% males and 11% females, just under the actual Air Force average, which I think is 19% females right now. The tech school is uh, 43 classroom days at Shepard Air Force Base, and that's located in Wichita Falls, Texas. Lastly, you're going to earn uh, credits towards a CCAF degree in munition systems technology. Now, CCAF, if you don't know it now, is the Community College of the Air Force. So going to the tech school and doing your upgrade training in this AFSC is going to earn you credits towards an associate's degree in munition systems technology. And that pretty much covers it. So without further ado, here's the interview with Patrick Humphreys on the munition systems career field. I'll be back after to fill in any of the gaps. Hey, everyone. I am super excited to bring to you our very first guest on the Forever Wingman podcast. My cousin, the better looking cousin, Air Force veteran Patrick Humphreys. Patrick, thanks for being on the show. How you doing? Doing great, man. How are you? I'm hanging in there, man. So we're just going to jump into it a little bit and just kind of get to know you a little bit and maybe uh, maybe learn a little bit more about you. What do you think? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, cool. So uh, tell us, take us back there, man. Whenever you um, uh, first decided to join the Air Force, what were your influences and, and where were you in your phase of life? Uh, I would say I wasn't in any great position in life at the time. Yeah. I uh, didn't know what to do with myself. I had a family coming along that I needed to take care of. And looking at all my options that weren't many there in town, uh, the one way to get out of town is join the military. So we went around <laughs> and started. And then I started interviewing the recruiters. Oh, nice, man. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> you take the power, put it in your own hands. Where, where, where are you actually from? Why don't you tell everybody? I know where you're from. I am actually from Berryville, Arkansas. So does that and place the, actually exist? It does. It's actually on the map now. It didn't <laughs> used to be, but we're in the 20th century, 21st century now. Nice, man. I don't know where Arkansas is at, though. I, I didn't take enough math classes to do that much math. So, so how old were you whenever you decided to join? I was 19. I waited a year after school. I was trying to figure out what I was going to do. Went to the University of Arkansas for a semester. Realized that wasn't for me. Uh, so decided I was going the military route. So at 19 years old, I actually enlisted and had my birthday the first week I was there. So you were in, 
you were you were actually in basic training when, during your birthday? Yep. No way, man. I didn't know that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and the coolest thing is I hid it from everybody. No one knew. <laughs> was, which was probably pretty smart, right? Yes, I tried to lay low. Yeah, you don't exactly want the TIs to sing happy birthday to you. <laughs> That's hilarious, man. Okay, so um, why why the Air Force? You said you interviewed the, the different recruiters. Why did you decide on the Air Force? Well, I originally went uh, to the Marines office because they're sneaky little bastards. And, uh, <laughs> they lured me in with some brownies. So I sat down, talked with them for a while ate their brownies and their cookies and then told, excuse myself to go talk to the army recruiter, (laughs) (laughs) which come to find out those two always argued during the day and they hated each other. So I started a whole nother argument between them. (laughs) You talk about the recruiters. (laughs) Yeah. Went went over to the army to see what they had to offer the, the air force recruiter. You know, he's, he shot me straight. You hear those stories of the recruiters. They tell you it's going to be one thing. It's not. He showed me job listings, what they were. And he'd say, out of this whole job listing, he said, pick the, pick the three things on there you would hate doing. And he said, and that's probably what you're going to be doing. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> and you were okay with that. But that was good because, you know, I was able to trust that what I was reading was the truth. Yeah, yeah, man. Absolutely. So you were talking that the recruiters, they, they were telling you the truth, which is phenomenal, man. It's so hard to find that. And you and I both know that. And every other young person that comes uh, in contact that reaches out to me through email or Twitter or something, they they usually always talk about, um, they feel like they're being sold to, which was the whole premise of even starting the whole Forever Wingman concept. So it's awesome that you had a recruiter that that you know shows you the ropes because that was that was my recruiter too. He totally... He totally just laid it out for me and was honest. And I totally had that rapport built with him. So that was phenomenal, man. Yeah, I think they get the salesman pitch. When you're in bigger towns where you're actually competing against other employers that are wanting to bring up all these young kids. And, you know, in those smaller towns like where I was from, it, he didn't have to get his numbers. His numbers were walking in his door. Yeah. So he didn't have to lie to anybody to reach his numbers because at the end of the day, I don't care what job or company that you work for. It's all about the numbers. Yep. Yeah. You're absolutely right, man. Cool. Yeah. So, so what was it about the the recruiter after he gave you, he totally spread out the truth and, and, uh, uh, sold you on it. What, what was it? Was that pretty much the, the nail in the coffin for you in joining the air force? It was. And you know, their, their benefits is really what I joined for. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I needed some steady cash coming in to take care of my family. Yeah. And, so I decided I'd join, and they promised me you know, a roof and some food to eat. So, Hey, I'll take that one, man. Yeah, I went. <laughs> cool. Okay, one last question for you. Actually, I have about a million questions for you, but in regards to just getting to know you a little bit, um, tell me a story. Take me back uh, when you're at basic training. Tell me, tell me a story, a funny one or a... Or a, or a Let's not do depressing. Let's just stick with funny if you could think of one, man. (laughs) I tell you, that place is scarier than a haunted house. (laughs) (laughs) In all reality, if you grew up in a structured home with defined rules, it's nothing different. Yeah, yeah. Yell a little bit, get close to you, and then swap a little spit. That's all right. (laughs) (laughs) One of some funny, funny things back in... uh, 
back in basic training, probably the the best story, the most memorable I have was towards the end. So it was our last week of basic training. All the new flights are coming in and they have no idea what's going on. We realized by the last week that, you know, this, it's all the routine. You stick with the routine and then you're done for the day. And so we were, we were used to it, but they weren't, they couldn't think straight and they had their bags still with them because you have your bags for like first three or four days and then they go lock them up. Well, they still had them in this guy was just so worried because he had some M&Ms. Oh, he had like God. three bags of M&Ms. And when we watched their dorm, it was always in twos. So we told him that we would be willing to get rid of those M&Ms for him so he wouldn't get in trouble and we would take that risk. And so he was so thankful, so gracious, real kind guy, and went back to the front door and we ate his M&Ms. Oh, that was, that was real kind of you, man. <laughs> that Use that kid's that fear against him. <laughs> funny, funny story. You know, you find your ways around things. There I was on a laundry detail. And so we go go down there. Some new guys would come in and they'd figure it out how you can get snacks from the vending machine down there and not get caught with them. <laughs> and so a kid came over and offered us some Skittles. And... We told, wow, you know, if you go out here and you get it right at this time, you know, no one will see you. And we told him, wow, that's, that was impressive. And then we opened up two dryers that had all kinds of snacks and oh my sofas gosh. in it. <laughs> like, hey, are you thirsty? Hide the evidence. Hide the evidence. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, oh, get in man. there. Some folks you know, didn't like it at first. But, you know, the TIs, they become your mentors towards the end. And, you know, you just got to get through the first couple weeks of getting yelled at, getting a little punishment from some physical, physical uh, rehabilitation is what I'd call it because it was hard. Yeah. Well, I'm, I call can, it training because training didn't hurt me so hard. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can almost guarantee every single person that's going to listen to this, if they're going through basic training, know that you are going to get yelled at. It's going to happen, right? Yes. It's, it's a promise. <laughs> yes, it's a problem. It will happen. It happens as soon as you get off the bus. And my number one thing I would say, I don't know if they're still doing it, but when we first got there, and I don't know if they did it when you were when you first got there, but it was to pick up the bags and put the bags down. Yeah. Game. Oh yeah, you better believe it. I from, a, from what I can tell, they still do it. From what I can tell, they still do it. Yep. Yeah, and they won't tell you why you're picking them up, and putting them down. But then after about a half an hour of just picking your bag up and putting it down every two seconds, <laughs> then they finally feel you in until you all sit it down and work as a team and not make a sound. You're going to be doing it all night. <laughs> key thing. Remember that. That's a take home right there. Yeah, key thing. Set, <laughs> set your bags down lightly. Cool, man. Well, I appreciate you sharing all that, man. So let's go into the career field. The reason you are here, the Two Whiskey Zero X1, the Munition Systems Career Field. So that's that was your AFSE, right? That is. Nice. So tell us a little bit about it and what what does the average day look like? Well, the average day obviously the two WOX one. So that's ammo. Also known as munitions, but everyone knows us all as ammo. Ammo? Yep, ammo. They say our key phrase there. Oh, here it that's comes. The generation <laughs> is the IS which stands for, if you ain't ammo, you ain't. <laughs> and the only reason we say that 
And it's not because we think we're the best career field in in the Air Force, but it's just the fact that without us, then the Air Force is just an overpaid airline. Yeah, right. That's the truth, too. We are the Air Force. We are what make it a, a fighting combat force to be reckoned with. Oorah! <laughs> bam! So what is what is the so whenever you get to your first base, what what does your day look like? Like when you when you wake up in the morning and you eat your you're probably a fruity pebbles guy, right? Yeah, yeah. Fruity fruity, your fruity pebbles flakes. and frosted flakes. <laughs> whenever you eat that and you go into work, what does it look like from the time that you get there until about the time you go home? So the time you get there, it's most of ammo work is very very much strictly show up at work, ready to work on time. Uh, so typically you show up about 15 minutes before shift. You get your work notes or your work orders, and those are divvied up between your crew chiefs that will end up running, a, well, let's say anywhere between a four and seven man crew. So those those work notes, those are basically just assignments for the day, everything that needs to yeah. be done. Yeah, those are just your assignments, everything that needs to get done that they know of that morning. Things come in during the day. Um, and what, what we mainly do is we're churning out the MUNs for the jets to fly their sorties. So they we know, okay, these jets are going to be loaded this week, and we'll preload a lot of things for that week. And then they're ready to just roll those trailers full of munitions out there so that they can load them. Got it. And, and you used one term that, that a lot of people may not know is sorties. And that's basically just the the flight scheduled for that day, right? The individual lines. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Cool. Yes. Yeah, so, so that's just going to be which planes are slotted to fly that day, and what munitions do they need to have on them? Yeah. Roger that. So you know that pretty far in advance, then. So you guys prep that all in. in it's supposed to be fairly far in advance. Yeah. You, you would hope it'd be in advance, right? And they give you a little yes. more, a little more flexibility in how you <laughs> actually execute. Depends on what yeah. it is. You know, if you got your, the smaller rounds, the bombs need we need to know in advance. Um, the missiles we need to know in advance, but like your 20 millimeter, your 30 millimeter, you know, those types of things, those we don't know, but maybe the day before. Yeah. So what, what exactly does, um, ammo, what, what are they, they don't deal with nuclear weapons, right? It's strictly conventional. That is correct. We're yeah, and our actual name are conventional munitions. Conventional. And so the nuke guys, they're a whole different career field. Uh, I got to work alongside some of them. So if you ever have the chance go to be a new guy or a conventional maintenance guy, uh, go the conventional route. There you go, man. Hey, listen to every everybody person, every single person that's listening to this, man. There are rivalries, and they're healthy rivalries. You know what I mean? <laughs> it, they 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 put you on your mark. They they you know make you perform at your best. You know what I mean? Because you don't want to you don't want to be trash talked by by the new guys. You know what I mean? You don't be trash talked by those guys. Then you're gonna be hanging your head in shame. You definitely want to be the conventional ammo guy that gets trashed by the nuke guy, and it's true. <laughs> and, and most of the time, the nuke guys they don't interact too much. But there's yeah. a good rivalry there. But our biggest rivalry is going to be with the loaders. Oh, okay, all Once right. That, yeah, I know the ones. You know, they're good guys. You know, they mean well. They do well. But you know, they just couldn't quite cut it to build the munitions. So we just let them hang them on the plane. Like <laughs> <a picture. laughs> 
That's hilarious, man. And so I hope you get a loader on here so they can listen to this. <laughs> I'm going to get a loader on here. I'm going to make them listen to this one, and then I'm going to have them re- rebut everything that you say, see what happens. Okay, so so you're pretty much, you get there to work, you get your, your assignments for the day. Um, what, what kind of assignments can like real generally speaking, what, what would, what would some of the assignments be like periodic maintenance, like go, then when we we talk ammo, we're such a big unit that we're broken up into different shops. So what your day would look like would depend on what shop you're working. Okay. So you have your conventional maintenance shop. I worked that for a few years. Uh, that's where you actually assemble the big bombs, you know, the 500 pound, 5,000 pound bombs. Uh, you do all the, what we would consider small arms for a plane, your 20 millimeter, 30 millimeter handle that. We handle the 2.75 inch rockets that they load in the rocket pods. We handle, Oh, what else is there? Oh, our the biggest thing though is that putting together the, the bombs. There's so many different configurations. You get out there and it tells you what kind of configuration you need. And you build however many you want. And typically, they're built in the hundreds. Because uh, we use a big conveyor belt type of line, which is manual, but it is still a conveyor belt, an assembly line, so, line, so to speak. So you have people on the back putting fins on, fuses in the back. Uh, you guys, people on the front putting the noses, any fuses that they're going to have on the nose. And really, it's it sounds cooler than it actually is the concept is as cool as it sounds but actually doing it i mean anyone that can use your general tools can put one of these together and there's guidance you follow it one two three and yeah right tells you if you can read you can put these things together but you know at the end of the day there's still some satisfaction there even though it's not really mind challenging work yeah you know those are going to go and blow up yeah on that is like that is bomb on target right it's like yeah, eventually this thing that I am building right now is going to probably do some damage. Yeah, I would say they, you know, they blow up probably 95% of the time. And the other 5% is just bad dirt. <laughs> a lot of, a lot of uh, rock shrapnel. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's cool, man. So what does tech school look like? Where's it at? And what can, what can new airmen expect at the schoolhouse? Tech school. Well, let's see. It's not going to be like a college party. That's for sure. <laughs> it is still pretty fun. They give you some of your liberties as a human being back. And and you get to run around with just a buddy and not a whole flight. <laughs> but everyone can expect to do some physical training on a regular basis. Uh, I know some folks in basic training, they were so glad they graduated because now they don't have to do so much PT because we did it every day. And then you get tech school and it's pretty much every day anyway, but they do it. When I was going there, you still had the weekends off. So you had to wake up early and do some PT and it was a regular eight hour day at the schoolhouse. So what were you, what kind of stuff were you doing? Did you like learn electronics or, and then you move into like bomb assembly or something like that? We do. We learn a little bit of each shop that you could work. Okay. So when we were doing the bombs, you know, we went and we built a few of your common bombs. Uh, You don't learn everything you need to know there. That's it's just enough to get you moving when you get out with your unit and not deployed, but uh, to your first station. Yeah, right. But we did. We had 
I mean, coming in, you don't need any prior knowledge. It is mainly uh, mechanical and electrical on NASVAB. And there are some electrical. We use computers to program the GPS fins. And we also do that to calibrate the radar and the tracking systems on the missiles. So there, there's an electronic side that way. You know, the mechanical side, we had one class. It was a week long, and it was general tools. What is a hammer? Yeah, so right. I, yeah. That was one thing about the Air Force. They will tr- teach you from the very, very ground up. Yes. And I tell you, having those couple people that don't know it and you're sitting in the back of the class thinking, I wonder if they'll see me go get another cup of coffee. <laughs> you know, it was in tech school where I learned how to drink coffee. I never drank coffee until I got to tech school. Yes, that is the same here. I never drank coffee. Uh, they had three shifts for school, you know, your day, your swings and your oh, night. Okay. Yeah, so, so we didn't I was have on the mid shift, and my favorite thing for breakfast were a couple no dos and a big old glass of coffee. Oh my gosh! Okay, let's back up for one second. You said that there is day swings and mid shifts at the tech school, so yeah. there's there's so many people going through the schoolhouse that they have to break it up incrementally, right? And yes. and if you're lucky, you get day shift. <laughs> exactly, shift, and they don't. You might be a little bit luckier. From, yeah, than, than the they don't shift, always but. run it. From what I can understand, or from what I understand, because when we got there, we were the first group that came in that they needed three shifts. So okay, I guess we it. were one of the bigger groups coming in. Got it. So it's probably they'll probably just adjust as the as the pipeline gets bigger, right? Yes. So that would probably make sense too. Okay, so it's not guaranteed you're going to get a night shift. No, <laughs> that probably no, be the worst time they, to learn how you to know if there's bombs. not a big there's no not a big group of ammo. Showing up there, ammo trainees, I guess, at this point, uh, you know, then they only need the one day shift. So what does the um, typical career path, because you were an NCO when when you were in. Uh, yes. NCO stands for non-commissioned officer. So were you a staff sergeant or E-tech? Staff sergeant. Okay, so you're an E-5. So you, you probably supervised someone. So what what what's the typical career path for now you're at your, your first base? What does the career path look like and what does upgrade training look like for, for someone who's just coming in? Yeah, so when when we got a new troop in, or you know, you get a new troop assigned to you, you know, the first thing that you're gonna be walking them through for their upgrade, I mean, as soon as you get to work, it's time to start upgrade training. Yeah. Because really when you think of it, it's upgrading the knowledge that you have now, yeah, which is very little, even though you cover a lot, it's very little compared to what you need to know. Yeah. And so with our career, you know, we start you out with uh, CDCs or your career development course. And so you have an A set and a B set. So you finish the A set, take a test, pass it, go and get your B set, take a test. And that's more of your detail. So, so it's the detail of the job. The The schoolhouse taught you this is a bomb. Here's maybe three that you'd build out of you know 25 different kinds. You know, here's a missile. Isn't it cool? You know, everyone can touch it. And then, you know, you go around and you do those very, very general overviews. And then these CDCs are the more more in-depth. So you went from learning, okay, here's one fuse that goes in the back, one fuse that goes in the front, and here's a bomb body that goes in between them. To where now they're going down to say, here's all the types of fuses we have in inventory that we're going to use. Here's all the types of bombs. Here's, and you learn them component by component. Nice. That and sounds really difficult. You, 
And then the, the big thing is, you know, someone should be able to come to you and say, you know, we need they tell you what kind of bomb, like how big they need it. So your bomb body, you know, we need a 500 pound bomb. You know, we need to, we're going to have it do an air burst and whatever requirements. There's so many, I can't narrow it yeah, down. Yeah, so they throw a scenario but, at you and you basically yeah, have you to say, figure hey, out. Yeah, here's what we need your bomb to do. And you have to just know, okay, here's what, here's the components we're going to need to make that bomb do that. Got it. And that's part of the actual CDCs and the upgrade training up to the five levels. Yes. Wow. So up to the five level. So it should be noted too. So I guess let me ask this question is, is um, from your experience, is it, are the CDCs for the, for the two whiskey zero career field? Are they, are they pretty difficult? Like do they have a pretty high, <clears throat> excuse me, do they have a pretty high pass rate? They have a high pass rate because we do have pretests that we can take okay. in a controlled environment at our squadron. And so when you think you're ready, you go up there. And when I was in, you had to get a 90% on three consecutive pretests before you could go test. Got it. Okay. So there's definitely that, score prerequisites. You were pretty good. Got it. Okay. So that, that probably definitely bumps up the, the, the pass rates for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. So uh, we talked a little bit about before we even got on here and, and even through email a little bit that, that we don't want to just you know, be the big cheerleaders. <clears throat> we wanted to to kind of give the reality of the career field because we know that every single career field has its own personality, has its own quirks. There's pros and cons to every single career field out there. Even though I think that mine, the command post, one Charlie three X one, is probably the best career field in the Air Force. There's still a lot of pros or a lot of cons to them. So, what would, in your opinion, what would be uh, some of the cons of of the of uh, of the career field? And and what and and counter that with some of the pros and what is it that people tend to really love about the career field? All right, I'll try to match a con up with a pro. The silver lining to the con. So I'd say the biggest con was the work hours. Okay. Uh, you know you have different shifts, but when I first joined, it was usually twelve hour days, five days a week, and that gets old real quick. Yes, um, it does. Yes, it does. So, but that's just reality, right? That's that's the that way it is. is. And, you know, not all career fields have that. Nope. And the only reason that we do is because when you show up in the morning for work, you know what's on your plate. Yep. However, things roll in after that, and you don't get to go home until all the work's done. Yeah. And it's work that can't wait because the planes can't fly without the months to go on them. And so... That would be the difference. And there's other shops, though, in ammo that aren't like that. Yeah. But when you're stuck with production, you have to produce. Got it. Understand that. And for the Air Force, that's at all costs. Yep. And we know that commanders do not like it when their planes do not fly. Yes. And they will blame (laughs) everybody. And it's going to be everybody's fault, too. (laughs) So so match that up with one of the pros. So one of the pros, you know, we have long hours. But, you know, the pro to that is you're with your coworkers a lot. You're with them more than you're with your family. And that creates a very tight-knit group and a lot of camaraderie. And, you know, when we get out, you know, we're ammo troops. You you were either previously an ammo troop or you currently are. And, you know, I'm friends with ammo guys out there. I've been out for only two years now. But there's new ammo guys that I'm not even out at the base. I never go to the base anymore. However, I know them all because yeah. they're ammo and I'm ammo, and all of us ammo guys usually stick together. Yep. Uh, the ones ones that don't, we try and give them to cross train to a loader. 
<laughs> oh man, that's harsh, man. But you know that is a pro. You see the shops like your communication shops. They, you know they work your nine to five, and you'll never see them there. Yeah, you know shutting down a half an hour before quitting time, and you know what? You know you got the Muns guys out there busting their back. Yep. For, so you know very physical labor. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. But then those guys never hang out together either. Mm. And so if you're going to join, I say join to do something that you can't do as a civilian. Yeah, absolutely. And that you cannot put money on the camaraderie that, that comes along with that. And those yeah. long hours, you're absolutely right. Um, it's the brotherhood, man. And, and I'm out right now too. And it's been, it's been a little bit since I've been out, but man, there's something still yearning within me looking. Uh, I work for the federal government right now, but you know, trying to, trying to find that camaraderie, you know, um, and what's awesome about it is that we know how to build it, right? Because we've yes. been around it for so long, which makes us phenomenal leaders in, in the civilian world. So you can't put money on that. So if you're just going to you go, you know, I don't, I don't want to tr- trash on any career fields, but if you're going to look at a career field that's just, you know, Monday through Friday, 730 to 430, then you're going to get exactly what you, what you asked for. And that's you're going to get a career field that's Monday through Friday, seven thirty to four thirty, with zero camaraderie with that. So, um, so that's a huge pro. It is a huge one. What else? It is, and of course, like everything, though, it comes at a price. Yep, <laughs> on it hours. always does. Yeah, but I tell you, on top of that, you some of the camaraderie will never be shaken either. You know, just last weekend, I had a buddy come down. He's stationed over at Hill Air Force Base in Utah. Decided he'd fly in and come see me for a little bit. Yeah, and I had become friends with him in Germany at my first duty station. It was his second duty station. He did a year in Korea before. But then I left, and I went to Wyoming, and he went to Hill, and then I moved down to Texas, you know, to Dias Air Force Base. And, you know, the whole time, though, we always found a time to meet up because I was just one of those people that you meet. Yeah. That's more like family. Yep, Absolutely. Those we, types of things you're not going to get in your nine to five. You're absolutely right. And man, you and I both know just from, from all of our conversations, just in person that, that we could talk about this for hours, man, this camaraderie and brotherhood, because it is, it, it really is so valuable. And it's probably one of the most, um, I guess, stereotypical things of the military. It's what people miss the most when they get out. So, yes. Yeah. Um, so what about, um, the special duty assignments. Do you guys have any in your career field? And special no, duty assignments really. are just are assignments that are other than the normal circulation of assignments, right? You actually have to apply for them or something like that, right? Yes, we don't have special duty assignments, but okay. we do have some nice bases to be stationed at. Oh, uh, oh do, do tell, do tell. Oh, F.E. Warren. F.E. Warren, huh? E. Warren Air Force Base. How I miss you so. <laughs> <laughs> That was my second duty station, and I was surprised I got it. So as an ammo guy, I was working conventional maintenance for the most part while I was in Germany. You know, the 12-hour days, five days a week. was getting really old. Get to Wyoming. I got to Wyoming. The reason I was so happy, they don't have a flight line. What? So oh, the they have no planes. And I just spent the last three years building bombs to put on planes and I got there and no planes. And I'm thinking, 
I think I'm going to like this place. <laughs> so we can typically have a couple hundred people you know, at, a, at a, any given base to do ammo work. You know, we're one of the biggest units that you have. Yeah. And then you go to a place that's eight people. And you uh, you have camaraderie because there's no one else to talk to. <laughs> but but with the I will say with a smaller group, when you get that one outcast, they can really throw a wrench in things. Yeah, I can imagine, man. But I tell you, find a base that doesn't have a flight line. And you will find you will be happy. You hear that? Listen, listen, everyone who's who's listening to this right now, and you have the two whiskey zero x one career field. Do it. <laughs> yes, go for it. You now have inside information. <laughs> and if you're doing it and you can't get to those bases because they're hard as a first station, find a base that's about to do construction on their runways. <laughs> yeah, that, which is going to be a little more difficult to find. <laughs> you actually don't have that much choice in where you go. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much good luck. Cool. Man. Um, so, what does the uh, deployment tempo look like? You you've been de- you were deployed in in this career field. What what does it look like tempo wise? And then what does it look like when you're downrange? Uh, tempo wise, I would say it's a moderate to high tempo. Okay. I mean, anywhere we have planes, we have ammo. Yeah. I mean, they they don't do anything without us. So, anytime we're deployed anywhere, whether we're actively engaging in any combat activity or not, you know, we're going to be there ready yeah. just in case we need to. Yeah. Uh, when they go set up bases, uh, you fly in and ammo has a team that flies in with the crew to do the site survey and get munitions rolling. Uh, anywhere that we're going to have a plane, we're going to have some bombs and some ammo. Yep. Keep it safe. So I would say we, we deploy a lot, but it really depends on, which base you're at. Okay. Uh, the deployment tempo in FE Warren was zero because you didn't, <laughs> didn't have anyone to deploy. However, the deployment tempo, say at Spangdalem Air Base there in Germany, my first station, you deploy about every year and a half. Okay. So that's not so too, too bad. You could expect to go every year and a half. And at that time, it was four month deployments. Got it. Yeah. Now I think it's what, six, right? Six months. Six months. Yeah. yeah. So where did where did you go downrange and and what what was your your job like? Well, that was a little different because I went and filled an army tasking. Got it. Okay. So this is I guess this is something that is possible. Does it happen much? I couldn't tell you. Okay. Um, Got I it. have bad luck, so I couldn't say that this happens to most people. <laughs> but do. Do be known, you know, I, it's something I didn't volunteer for. It's a tasking the base received. Yeah. It's a tasking they have to fill. And I didn't realize when I enlisted in the Air Force, I had a possibility of serving other branches. Yeah. And so we went out there as a combat unit. And that's not necessarily something that any ammo guy or Air Force guy is signing up for. Um, but, you know, you get you get over there, you get the job done. You, you come do what home. you have to do. That's absolutely, absolutely. right. Yep. Absolutely. Okay, what about the, the people who are getting out of of uh, your career field? What what have they gone on to do? Is that, I, I can't imagine there's probably too many jobs on the outside that would translate into these skills, maybe like mechanically or like or uh, electronically or something. Yeah, this this is a career field that's really hard to place. Yeah, outside of the Air Force, which is the other side of the sword. When we say you know if you're going to go do something, do something you can't do as a civilian. Yeah. 
However, if you're going to do it, you you might want to bank on retiring off that career. <laughs> just just keep going, there, man. Reach twenty, right? <laughs> yeah, get to get to the get to the end, you know, and then uh, and then just do something different part time. But there are a few things. I mean, it depends on what you like doing. Um, one thing that you could readily get is a warehousing job. Ammo has one of the best warehousing, you know, structures. I think that anybody could. Get it's a little confusing to understand at the beginning, yeah. But afterwards, I mean, we we track millions of dollars worth of assets, and you could ask me where is that specific thing. I tell you, I could take you right to it. Yeah, when you're talking 30, 40 buildings packed full of munitions, I can tell you exactly where in our facility that thing's sitting. So, so there's. Our- so, so go ahead. I'm just going to say, so there, it sounds like that there's like, okay, so you can't copy and paste the ammo career field into a civilian career field. Um, more than likely, there might be a couple of hand, you know, a couple out there. Um, mm-hmm. But you can take uh, snippets of that career field and blow them up and build a civilian career based off of that snippet, such as warehousing or logistics or something yes. like that. Still, there's not that much you could do. Of delivery yeah. drivers... Uh, I see a lot of people get out and do that. One thing that people do get out that tends to make decent money is driving semis. Okay, yeah. You know, and become a transportation guy because when you're in the military, we pull, you know, well, as an example, here at Dias, uh, one of the shops I work was line delivery where we hauled the munitions out to the planes so the loaders could take them off of our trailer. And I'm waiting for the so, joke on that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And so we'd bring them to these special kids and we'd bring, we'd bring, you know, these bombs out on 40 foot trailers and tractor trailers, you know, out there and we'll go two or three out there because the B1 can hold so many munitions. You have to have big rigs to carry them out there. Yeah. So after, you know, after driving those for years, you're a pro, you still have to get your CDL, but it's a, it's out of the park, you know, you blow it away because you've been doing it for so long. Yeah. And those are the types of things you have to pick out. And when I got out and I, I picked things from multiple units that I worked with or multiple shops within my career field. So, you know, I did this over here. I did that over there. And you got to bring in the whole thing, just reword it to something that you'd want to hear if yeah. you were high in that position. Yeah. yeah got to translate those skills. Pat, that's awesome, man. I really appreciate it, man. So what is it that you think that I'm not asking or that, that you think is important that other people might might find useful in coming into this career field? Well, I would say I'd, I don't know about anything for this particular career field. It's all in what you want to do. When I joined, you know, I needed to do something with my life. And, you know, That's something that you know, actually serves a purpose. So I went ahead and signed up, you know, went to do that. And in the long run, I didn't stick with it. Yeah. You know, um, the Air Force wasn't for me. I I aligned with other passions that I had. Yeah. And had to go with that. But, you know, it gave me so many things. And that's what I'd say. It's not necessarily about the career field. The career fields are different. You can cross train. Uh, you know, there's, there's other opportunities there, but I'd say Air Force, you know, before you go and do it, you really got to align your life. And that's a, that's a big thing to tell a young adult. You know, yeah. Align your life. You're 18, I know. No time for fun. You know, you're going to have to make a decision. But if you're really leaning towards this, you know, I would say in, go in knowing what you want. Yeah. 
from the Air Force. Know what you want me. I didn't know what I wanted. And it wasn't a bad thing. Yeah. Because when I was in, it gave me stability why I learned why what I wanted. You know, 10 years in the military wasn't just because all of a sudden one day I woke up inside. It wasn't what I wanted to do anymore because yeah. I didn't what I wanted to do when I started. So it took me two enlistments. And, you know, I used the Air Force to get me where I am today. You know, I got out and I got a great job as an IT director at an organization here. And, you know, my pad, my real passion was with computers. I tried to cross train in the Air Force. But, you know, those fields were filled already. Uh, those are hard to come by. And so I decided to go a different route. And, you know, the Air Force gave me my free education. And it was easy. It was not hard to apply for it. And I would say whether you're going to stay in or not, use it. It's free money. Yeah. And those are real dollars. Yeah. And, you know, go and do that. I went and they got me my uh, bachelor in computer science and paid for I'm not coming straight out of college, and now I have these bills to pay for. My salary now is just for me. It's not paying back the school. On top of that, you get a certification besides the school. So you get one certification. So I took the money that they offered for a certification, got a certification in computer programming. You know, And again, not a penny that I have to pay to them. That's awesome. So that's one thing. You really have to align... It's not for everybody. And I'd say, you know, if you have some other passion, you know, go and chase that. Don't don't chase stability. Chase what you want to what you want to do. But if you could do it in the Air Force and that's gives you a good purpose, you know, something that benefits something other than yourself. I'd say, you know, go for it and get what you want from them. And my last thing that I would say on top of the school, which is a huge, huge benefit is. Always report your medical problems. They're always going to rush you if you are in ammo to get the job done. Yeah. There's not always going to be the helping hand to help you out. If you do get hurt, they want you back at work as soon as possible. You know, be committed to your job, but take care of yourself also. So why they say, oh, you don't need to go to the doctor, it is your right to be able to go to the doctor and have your medical needs addressed. Absolutely. So I would say, you know, do it tactfully. Don't be a dummy about it, but let them know, you know, I really am hurt and we need to go ahead and document it in my medical records. Because when you get out, you'll find that the older you get, the more those things come back and start giving you problems. Yeah. And so without it documented, you have no leg to stand on. Yep, absolutely. You're, you're absolutely right, Pat. And, and that goes, that is like, you basically just explained me, right? I had all the old timers that were telling me to make sure you go to the doctor Make sure you you document everything for whenever you decide to get out. And you know, when you're a young person, you don't think about those things. In fact, you th- all you want to do is be a team player, right? Absolutely. And, yeah, and because- you know, you really want them to see that you're a team player. Yeah. But that's not the way to do it. Yeah. And I'll tell you, they'll pressure you. And what you'll realize is they're going to pressure you until they realize it's not going to work anymore. Yeah. And once you're insistent. They don't hold. I haven't had anybody hold it against me. Yeah. But I started out as a young airman that would not do it. Yeah. You think, oh, I bounced back quick. It's good. But in all actual, you know, actuality, I had something that happened at the beginning of my deployment or not my deployment, but the beginning of my career. And now it's really coming back, causing issues. Luckily, 
when I had it looked at, I actually did need some surgery on it. So it got documented there. Yeah. But I have four years of nothing that I had nothing wrong with me. Yep. And they don't care about whether that surgery came from something that happened four years ago. They just see the date of the surgery. Yep. Absolutely. That's awesome, man. Thank you so much for that. Well, I think that's about it. Uh, I just want to say thanks, Pat, for for just sharing all that awesome information and and some of the the funny stories, the good rivalries. <laughs> I'm gonna have to get some. I probably won't even get it. Oh, I'm gonna get some loaders on here. You better believe. It. <laughs> that's so wrong, man. You're still gonna trash them till the end. <laughs> but hey, man, I really want to appreciate you taking the time out and uh, and and talking to all of us, man. Hey, not a problem. Thanks for asking me the questions and. You know, it's, it's been great. It's been nice to talk about it after all these years. Now it's just work, work, work back in the civilian world. <laughs> yeah, Roger that. To think back on it, you realize there were a lot more good memories than there were bad. Yeah, absolutely. You're absolutely right. Well, thanks again, Pat. I appreciate you, man. Well, that's it. I hope that you found this conversation helpful because I had a great time bringing it to you. If you did find it helpful, would you mind taking a few seconds and leave us an honest review on iTunes or Stitcher? Your input is extremely helpful to me to make sure this show is giving you exactly what you're looking for. It also helps get this information in front of other people just like you. Also, don't forget, you can find more information on Air Force Career Fields on the Forever Wingman website at foreverwingman.com AFSC. Each career field has a dedicated page with job descriptions, ASVAB requirements, YouTube videos, news articles, and more. Again, that's foreverwingman.com AFSC. Take care and I'll catch you on the next episode.